Welcome to LifeBeat. I'm your host, Chris Gast, Right to Life of Michigan's Director of Communication and Education. Joining us today is Catherine Kinsey, our Education and Events Coordinator. Catherine, how are you? Good. Good. Looking forward to a nice four-day uh, weekend yeah. here. Yeah, uh, not nice. everyone gets a four-day weekend, mm -hmm. but uh, but we do. Uh, so na 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 na. But uh, a lot of our pro-life people around the state will be hard at work, even over Labor right. Day weekend at events mm -hmm. and parades and such, uh, gathering petitions. And so, don't think the pro-life movement is taking a break. Um, but a couple things I wanted to address today, uh, talk about a story in Livingston County, yes. story in Vermont, of mm -hmm. all places, a story from social media, that's always fun. <laughs> uh, but first, we should start with the big news of the week. Uh, the Right to Life of Michigan Political Action Committee has done uh, an endorsement for President Trump. I think that's no surprise. Right. Uh, National Right to Life endorsed him on July the 4th. But we also did an early endorsement for John James for his U.S. Senate campaign. Yeah. Let's fly! exciting, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so our people really love uh, uh, John James. Uh, he's a really great guy. Have you had a chance to meet him yet? Were you here when yes. he came? Yeah. yeah, that was really cool. It was. So, um, you know, well, let's talk about why the f we did an early endorsement before we, you know, talk about how right. awesome and wonderful <laughs> he is. Um, so... Uh, usually, the RLM PAC doesn't do early endorsements. You usually wait until uh, the filing deadline when you know all the candidates and then you, you know, go through the process of vetting each one, decide which ones are you know, mm -hmm. pro-life and, uh, and which ones aren't. Um, or reveal, rather. Right. I don't really decide you're <laughs> revealing. Uh, trying to get them to be honest. Uh, so John James is 100% pro-life. He was endorsed in the last uh, the 2018 election. Uh, between himself and Debbie Stabenow for the U.S. Senate. Sadly, Debbie won, mm -hmm. um, but he had a really good campaign. He oh. uh, he outperformed every other uh, Republican in the state, mm -hmm. uh, and he had Debbie Stabenow sweating, which yeah. is no small feat. Mm -hmm. um, she may be called do-nothing Debbie for a good reason, <laughs> but when it comes to keeping her phony baloney job, that's one thing Debbie Stabenow is right. really great at. Yes. Um, have you seen Debbie Stabenow since the election? Not much. I haven't either. <laughs> She's all over the radio yeah. and the state, and gee, and she disappears yeah, for another six like years. <laughs> kind of like a groundhog, you know, mm -hmm. goes into hibernation. Um. <laughs> well, um, one of the reasons that John James couldn't do as well as he probably could have was in 2018 he faced a primary challenger uh, from a gentleman who... Is not 100% pro-life. Right. Uh, Sandy Penciler, mm -hmm. um, who uh, had run as a uh, pro-abortion politician uh, years before that, uh, and uh, you know wasn't totally pro-life, and you know had, had some bad gaffes um, um, for other issues too, mm -hmm. um, and uh, wasn't really a guy with a broad base of support. It's more of like a self-funding guy. So he just he comes in, he wants to run for Senate. And uh, John James had to spend a lot of effort right. and resources making sure he won the primary. You can't, you know, you can't, yeah. you know, win a general election unless you win the primary. And so this time, I think everyone around the state 
in terms of politics, seemed to acknowledge that he was really uh, the front runner to challenge Gary Peters in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, Gary Peters, our other U.S. senator, also pro-abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, and he really cleared the field. Yeah. Uh, there's been no one else uh, really stepping up. Uh, he's raised uh, a lot of money, uh, which you know is an important gauge of you know how serious is this candidate and and how much work are they doing. Uh, of course, you know money matters in an mm-hmm. election, but it's not everything. Um, you know, John James is very much outspent by Debbie Stabenow, and he still made it really right. close. Uh, as Hillary Clinton outspent yeah. Donald Trump by right. a lot, but it didn't matter. <laughs> um, but uh, he's cleared the field, and so the RLM PAC board, uh, which is, you know, made up, these decisions are made by, uh, you know, volunteers in our organization, uh, you know, affiliate leaders, uh, people in their communities who do all this work. And so uh, they thought he's cleared the field. Um, so there's the endorsement now, and hopefully it'll just be him. And so we have our great pro-life candidate mm-hmm. challenging uh, Gary Peters, and uh we can get a pro-life United States senator, right? Yes, I hope so. Yeah, that would be that would be definitely exciting and uh, a good change. <laughs> a very good change. You know, we uh, haven't had a pro-life U.S. senator since I think uh, Spencer Abraham. Yeah. So, and which you were probably <laughs> you weren't even in elementary school. Right. I think the last time we had a uh, a pro-life senator. And it, it's just so critical because you look at the split of the of the Senate right now. There are what I would say fifty one solid pro life United States senators. Mm-hmm. Uh, so far this year, you know, National Right to Life keeps track of votes and keeps scorecards, and there's fifty three senator senators who have had one hundred percent pro life votes. Now, there's only been two big votes. One is on tax funded uh, abortions mm-hmm. and. Uh, the other one involved protecting uh, children who are born alive following an abortion. Right. And two kind of uh, squishy, uh, they say they're kind of pro-life, but they're kind of not senators, did vote for those legislation, mm-hmm. which is good. You know, in, in Michigan, on a lot of our bills, we can often draw at least a few uh, votes from some people who might otherwise uh, support abortion. Right. But really, that's 51 solid pro-life senators so you know uh two senators from one state are flying back on a plane together and the plane crashes and there's a pro-abortion governor there you know who can appoint Mm -hmm. pro-abortion senators and boom right the senate flips um and there's just no margin of error there really and so every senate election is going to be really important in 2020 so not just for Michigan and people love John James and getting him elected, but this the the effects of this could be extremely widespread. Mm-hmm. Um, you think about the the Kavanaugh nomination. Yeah. Um, what if John James had beat Debbie Stabenow? Yeah, that would have definitely made. Jeff Flake difference. would not have been. You yeah. know that the stress level of that and the the craziness mm-hmm. that that has brought to our entire political system. That may never go away, just like right. the confirmation hearing of Robert Bork and Clarence Thomas have permanently changed our politics. Um, it might not have happened. Right. Um, if, so say, President Trump wins, but you have a 51-49 pro-abortion Senate, uh, how's he going to get pro-life nominees through? Yeah. 
you saw what they were willing to do to Brett Kavanaugh. They, they weren't just willing to oppose him. They were going to destroy his life right. with ridiculous accusations. Like he and a friend on a boat somewhere, you know, like mm -hmm. it, it was beyond the pale. Um, we need a word for something that's worse than beyond the pale yeah. and inexcusable. Right. I, I don't know what you can think of, but they're going to do that to every pro-life nominee. Mm -hmm. Or I guess rather they could, if they had a solid 51 vote pro-abortion majority, they could just refuse to hear it. True. And entire sections of the United States government would be unstaffed mm -hmm. because uh, they only will allow a person who's rapidly supportive of abortion to be in those positions. Right. That includes judges. That mm -hmm. includes the United States Supreme Court, Catherine. Yeah. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is not in great health, is she? No. Clarence Thomas is uh, getting up there in age. Right. So is Stephen Breyer. Mm -hmm. Um you know, we said in the 2016 election, President Trump could appoint as many as four justices. Right. Uh, and in the last uh, three years, he's appointed two. Right. And, you know, we have, uh, you know, Breyer is, is very old. Ginsburg has been in, has had several bouts of cancer, I think. Yeah. During the Trump administration, a tough old lady. Um, but, uh, you know, the Supreme Court justices don't live, none of us live forever. And mm -hmm. so... Uh, it would behoove us if we have uh, President Trump making those decisions. Right. And we have John James perhaps being the decisive vote in the United States Senate making sure that pro-life elected official or uh, pro-life appointed officials and, and judges are being seated. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Now let's go to Vermont to talk about a story of why that is so critical uh, and thing that some people just take for granted. So there's a hospital in Vermont that had forced a nurse to participate in performing an abortion. And they actually tricked the nurse. Yeah. So they uh, told her to come in and help with this, and they thought she thought it was for uh, treating a woman who's having a miscarriage, and nope, elective yeah. abortion. Mm -hmm. And they basically told the nurse, you help or we'll fire you, and you're going to be in severe trouble. Um, that's wrong, Catherine. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's scary. And not only wrong, it's patently illegal. Mm -hmm. Ever since almost Roe versus Wade was handed down, there have been federal laws uh, passed with broad consensus that say that pro-life doctors, nurses, etc., cannot be forced to participate in taking the life of a human being. Right. Okay, so that's the law. Where was the law for the nurse? Right. Was the law in the operating room? Apparently not. No. The law is not in the operating room. A law is just a collection of words. It only matters mm -hmm. if there's someone there to enforce it. Right. Now, as it happens, the Trump administration has, uh, you know, censored this uh, Vermont hospital and is there after the fact to protect the nurse and to affirm that federal law says you can't force people to perform abortions. And so that's a great thing. Right. Would Hillary Clinton's... No. <laughs> uh, executive branch be there for that nurse? Probably not. Would Hillary Clinton care that a nurse is being forced to perform an abortion? I would think not. She might clap and thought yeah. think it was outstanding. Right. Um, that's where abortion supporters are. Generally, um, the leaders of their movement, their organizations, they do believe that people should be forced to participate in abortions. Mm -hmm. They believe people should be forced to pay for abortions. Yet, Catherine, they want to claim the title 
choice. <laughs> Pro-choice. Yeah. Now, if you are forced to perform an abortion um, under severe threat of severe penalty, is that a free choice? No. Are you, is your autonomy being respected? As a, as a woman, this was a woman nurse. Let's keep uh, that in mind. Uh, yeah. This wasn't some evil, uh, old, uh, you know, uh, you know, right. male nurse who wanted to control. This was a woman who did not want to physically, you know, rip apart a child in, in the womb, mm -hmm. help the abortionist do that. Um, yeah, but no. She did not have a choice in that situation. She did not have a choice, uh, even though the law says otherwise. And so we talked about this in the last podcast with the Protect Life rule. You know, you have pro-life laws, and it's great that you get them passed, and, and, you know, it's great they say what they say. But just like our United States Constitution is worthless in the hands of people who don't put any value on it. Right. You know, uh... Roe versus Wade was decided wrongly. It doesn't matter that the Constitution is quite silent on abortion. If mm -hmm. you have judges who don't give a rip what the law says, right. it's all pointless. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's why it's so important to have a pro-life president, you know, pro-life Senate, uh, pro-life officials staffing our executive branch, uh, pro-life all the way down. Right. It's a county commissioner, yeah. Catherine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and here's another example. Right. Um, so in Livingston County, uh, the uh, commission has uh, is nine members, mm -hmm. and seven of those members of the county commission have been endorsed in past elections by the uh, Right to Life Michigan Political Action Committee. You know, let's leave that hanging for a second. Yeah. Let's go on an important tangent here. So, you know, a lot of people, most criticisms I think that we get um, even when it comes to things that don't seem related, it all seems to stem back from endorsements. Yes, definitely. Uh, people take politics seriously, mm -hmm. which is a good thing. Um, people tend to be hardcore fans of politicians, which mm -hmm. I would say is not a good thing. Right. You know, uh, a politician is not a perfect human being and mm -hmm. doesn't agree with you on everything. You're going to be disappointed by everyone, every politician eventually point, yeah. you know mm -hmm. um your spouse could be an elected official and there's <laughs> going to be something that they disagree right. about and it's going to disappoint you so it doesn't make any sense to be a rabid fan and so usually what will happen is uh, the rlm pack will endorse someone and it's not the this person's favorite fan either that candidate had uh, zero chance of winning and wasn't even really running a serious election Mm -hmm. um, or, you, you know, is, is running against a pro-life incumbent, mm -hmm. you know, and the philosophy of the RLM PAC is if you have, uh, you know, we asked you to be 100% pro-life, mm -hmm. we've demanded right. that you be 100% pro-life and do everything that we ask. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you do that, you know, we're not going to pull the rug out from under you if someone else comes along and says, hey, I'm more pro-life than that guy. Right. Uh, you know, as far as we concerned, are, are concerned, if you are going to support pro-life policies 100% of the time mm -hmm. and you're 100% personally pro-life, you can't get more pro-life than that. Right, right. At a practical level, you know, some candidates are more outspoken or better mm -hmm. making arguments or whatnot, but, uh, you know, it would be really terrible to... You know, you're a pro-life person, you get elected, you do everything that's asked of you, and then someone 
comes along right. talks a slick game mm -hmm. and you know you're left hanging right um and so a lot of these pack concerns lead to the question well why don't you guys just get out of politics completely mm -hmm. um okay but you expect us to pass pro-life laws right. Uh, you expect us to end abortion. Mm -hmm. You, uh, pro-life people generally, and this is good, demand that we end abortion. And yeah. That's what we're here to do. Mm -hmm. Can you do that with pro-life uh, or with pro-abortion elected officials? No. No. It's pretty much impossible. E <laughs> even if you have pro-life laws that they can't touch, right. um, if they are not willing to uphold them, it doesn't matter. And mm -hmm. so why, why, is, why is Right to Life Michigan have a political action committee? Uh, why every two years, uh, or in an off year like this, where mm -hmm. you have a couple local elections, why are there? Why do you make these endorsements? It's because, um, you know, our goal is our mission is legal protection for the unborn. Mm -hmm. You need pro-life people to pass those laws. Right. So, uh, you know, pro-life protections for the unborn are good, uh, but there's also other things we can do. And let's get back to Livingston. So, mm -hmm. as we were saying, there's nine commissioners on the Livingston County Commission seven of which have been endorsed by the Right to Life Michigan Political Action Committee. And so that's a seven to a majority, right? Right. That's great. Yeah. Well, as it turned out, uh, Livingston County and their health insurance plans for their county employees had been allowing elective abortions to be covered. Right. And that's a serious problem on a couple different levels. Uh, the first level is, is just as far as conscience rights, that's taxpayer money that is mm -hmm. essentially, you know, through a middleman being paid for an abortion. Right. That's wrong. Mm-hmm. Choice, right? Right. Exactly. Uh, even the other side says there's pro-choice. So they ought not to think that people should be forced to pay for abortions. On another level, uh, when you have taxpayer funding of abortion, when you pay for abortions, uh, abortions increase. And so any policies that are supporting abortion, whether it's insurance or otherwise, you are increasing abortions and you are leading to taking more human life. And so uh, this was brought to the attention of the uh, Livingston County Commission. You know, uh, it's important to realize that uh, elected officials are not omnipotent and they don't right. always know, don't always know things like <laughs> have they gone through the employee's 50 page insurance right. plan yeah um so it was brought to their attention and they addressed this and they voted seven to two to uh end these uh county health or you know these county health insurance um employee plans that support elective abortions and so moving forward you know if you want if you're an employee of livingston county and you want to have an abortion you can't get someone else to pay for it right that's, that's simple, bad. right? Yep. Even a pro-choice person ought to agree with that. However, uh, you know, the commission uh, did not have a universal agreement from people who say they're pro-choice. Right. Um, a lot of people uh, apparently turned out to speak for the proposal, against the proposal. Mm -hmm. uh, it didn't get, what surprises me is it didn't get a lot of news, did it? Yeah, not. <laughs> have, you, have you seen it anywhere other than the local... Than lo Not very local really. media? I haven't either. No. Uh, the Muskegon, when Muskegon yeah. moved Planned Parenthood out of their county health building, um, there was a ton of attention. Yeah. Uh, but no real attention here. Mm -hmm. 
you know, uh, and I don't know. It seems like Planned Parenthood, just like with the Title 10, yeah. it seems really <laughs> weird that the uh, the media has not been just carrying the water for uh, Planned Parenthood lately. Yeah. I don't up? know. This is kind of <laughs> nice, actually. Kind of, yeah. It's like, a, you know, it's like a dog chasing a car. As soon as it catches it, he doesn't know what to do with it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we'll see what, uh, if anything more comes of it, I think, you know, it's important for people to realize that, uh, you know, we have the Hyde Amendment, which means uh, tax dollars can't go to most abortions uh, from mm -hmm. the federal government. We don't have any funding for abortion uh, in our state government. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Planned Parenthood gets money through federal Medicaid. Uh, it's not direct funding of abortions, but it's indirectly funding it. Um, but direct funding of abortion really is not a thing. And, you know, in Michigan in 2013, we worked through our no taxes for abortion insurance petition drive to mm -hmm. make sure that through Obamacare, insurance wouldn't auto or abortion wouldn't automatically be a part of every health insurance plan. Um, and we were successful. But that doesn't mean that there still aren't entities out there. Mm -hmm. I mean, employers and individuals can still, you know, purchase health insurance that has uh, abortion rider as part of the policy. Right. And, um, but government entities like, mm -hmm. you know, county, you know, county workers, uh, state workers, um, universities, mm -hmm. publicly funded institutions, there's a lot of them that have abortion in their health plans. And so in a way, your tax dollars on that level are going to support abortions. You know, not nearly as much as, say, if we still had Medicaid-funded abortions in the state, um, which, you know, we think we've decreased abortions by almost a quarter of a million, right. taking that away. But uh, it's really important, you know, if you work for a public institution or you, you live and you wonder how your county employees are, are, being, um, are having their health insurance plan mm -hmm. uh, paid for, ask, you know, is abortion coverage part of that insurance right because uh, you should not be having your money sent to pay for these insurance plans that are paying for abortions right it doesn't matter that there's a middleman there it's still your money is leaving your pocket and mm -hmm. after a few steps is ending in the pocket of an abortionist right all right so uh, that was uh, that was encouraging and you know people love John James uh, he's a great guy um, we didn't brag about him yet. Oh. But I think we... I was going to say what impressed me the most about him was, you know, when he did come to our office and was, you know, just a little meet and greet with some people in the neighborhood, um, a gentleman came up to him and, and started talking about some random policy area that I've never even heard of. And I'm like, yeah. what's this guy talking about? <laughs> and and John James was at least conversant enough to understand what he was talking about and, and have a conversation. So right. that's, that's pretty good for, you know, first-time political candidate. There's a lot of issues that you are asked to address. Yes. And uh, just like county commissioners can let things slip because they just mm -hmm. aren't aware of it, um, it's hard for candidates to know everything they need to know. And, right. and so he impressed me right off the bat with his yeah. uh, grasp of issues. Uh, I can't even remember what the gentleman was yeah. talking about. It was so <laughs> out of left field. And he's just such a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> he is a nice guy. Yeah, uh, yeah he's a really nice guy. Um, and, and obviously he has a great background with, uh, he's been a business leader. He served our country. Uh, he graduated from West Point. Uh, and he has, 
he has at least a master's degree, I yeah. think. Um, mm-hmm. I think from the University of Michigan. Don't quote me on that. Uh, <laughs> as I say this publicly, um, they're just all around great guy. Uh, great guy. You know who's not great, Catherine? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Social media trolls, Catherine. Yeah. No. Uh, so it just struck me, you know, as we've been going through this petition drive, and we've talked to some people who about the dismemberment abortion topic in general, um, you know, people who support abortion are just, and not all of them, but yeah. many of them are just so, there's an ignorance there. Mm-hmm. Um, not that they are incapable of understanding these issues, but they are unwilling, right. not only unwilling to accept it, but unwilling to even confront yeah. pro-life arguments. Yeah. Perfect example today, um, uh, someone came on our Facebook page, and I think we do at Right to Life Michigan an outstanding job of, you know, letting people have, if they want to take a pot shot on our page, right, go ahead. we'll let them, <laughs> we'll, we'll respond, and we'll engage you in discussion, you know, if you're, if you're beyond the pale, um, mm-hmm. we're going to delete that. But uh, if you came <laughs> to have an actual discussion, or sometimes if you didn't, but we think it's worth engaging you anyway, you know, we'll have a conversation. And I was talking with one lady and, you know, when you kind of get past the first argument and you think you made a good point, then they trot out all the bad mm-hmm. myths and, and, you know, like you, oh, you're just a bunch of uh, religious nuts that want right. to, you hate women and you don't support women and babies mm-hmm. and you're forcing women who don't want to have these abortions to do, you know, have an abortion like that, even though the vast majority of abortions are elective. And you can respond with facts like, no, that's not the case. No, this mm-hmm. poll said that. No, the law says this. No, even the abortion industry's own research says this. Um, and they are just, thing. yeah, just they're unwilling <laughs> to accept it. Uh, I think the probably the low, the low point for any pro-life person when having a discussion about abortion, you know, I think a lot of pro-life people have been here is when you, when you talk Planned Parenthood. Mm, yeah. And they, you know, and someone says, oh, Planned Parenthood doesn't really do many abortions. It's only 3%. And you quote them a statistic from Planned Parenthood's right. own annual report. Like Planned Parenthood, no one twisted their arm. Planned Parenthood put <laughs> this out there publicly for everybody. And you quote that statistic to the person and they think that you made it up. Yep. And you're like, no. <laughs> and you can show them a copy or send them a link of the Planned Parenthood's annual report. And they refuse to read it or open it. Yeah. What do you do? <laughs> There's nothing you can really do at that point. I know. I guess you can just plant a seed and hope that it sprouts. Yes. And you didn't plant it in a bunch of rocks and sand. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just people, um, they're just emotionally incapable of accepting that they might be wrong right. or that people might yeah. disagree. Uh, that and, and they just uncritically accept what they hear and it's sad because often it is otherwise responsible uh people you know uh medical organizations universities Mm -hmm. elected officials people are supposed to know better who repeat these lies or myths truths and Mm -hmm. it's frustrating but those are usually the hardened people you know if you talk to a person who's kind of on the fence usually they will uh, if they don't believe you totally, they will accept it and, uh, you know, file it in the back of their head yeah. for the future. 
And so uh, I guess we'll just leave with a, a plug for our abortion myth series. Throughout 2019, every month, we've been detailing one uh, common abortion myth. We're going like a top 10 series. Mm -hmm. uh, we're, we did number five in August, and then in September, we'll do number four. Uh, so I just encourage you to you can go to rtl.org, our website, and, and read those. It's really great um, background information if you're dealing with an argument on the topic of abortion. The August one was about, you know, the line, pro-lifers don't mm -hmm. care about women and babies. Well, no, actually, we do. <laughs> and as we talked about in the last, po last podcast, when we do, uh, you try to shut us down. Right. No. It's sad. Sad. All right. Well, uh, that's all the, ha the time we have for this edition of Life Beat. On a happy note, <laughs> it's Labor Day weekend. It's going to be beautiful weather. Go out there. Enjoy it. Come back ready to make sure we get this petition drive done uh, in yes. September. All right, we'll talk to you in two weeks.